This is Weirdly Enough, your regular podcast for strange stories and amazing facts. Delivered straight to your favorite podcast directory and at weirdlyenough.com. Now, here are your hosts, Andy and Len. Well, that's right, we're back again. Uh, it seems like no time at all since we were talking about the hollow earth. Uh, I'm Andy Kane and I'm joined by my good friend... Len Johnson. Len Johnson, good to have you with us last week. Hollow Earth, or last time we looked at it, everybody uh, seemed to seemed to be fascinated by Hollow Earth. Yeah, it's a pretty fascinating subject. Um, today, what are we what are we going to be covering? Uh, we're looking at micro nations, micro nations, which are busy tiny tiny little countries. All right, uh huh, like uh, Bali Bing. Only people in, in East Belfast will know what I mean. Yeah, that's the, the independent republic of Ballybin. Yeah, yeah. Uh, remember to subscribe uh, through the socials. We're on facebook.com forward slash weirdly enough podcast. Uh, on Twitter, weirdly enough PC and weirdly enough podcast on Instagram. Uh, our website's going to catalogue all uh, those podcast episodes at uh, weirdly enough.com. Uh, you can search and subscribe um, using your favourite podcast directly for weirdly enough. Um, uh, we're also looking at uh, getting some merchandise and stuff sorted out. We'll Exciting. Get, we'll, we'll sort that out um, and let you know when that comes. Now, Len, what's this week's episode about? I think you just told us, didn't you? Well, yeah, it's a thing. Now, we need a definition. Okay. Um, and it's one's being provided by Dr. Judy Latasse of Macquarie University in Sydney, Australia. Yeah. And she defines a micronation as a self-declared entity that's either virtual are very small. Uh, right. Uh, though some are actually quite large when compared with microstates such as Monaco or the Vatican. That means there's some due to virtue of the fact that they're out on like atolls and things like that, or out in the desert somewhere yeah. that yeah. actually per size of land they're actually bigger than like the Vatican. Okay. Weird strange weirdly enough. Yes. Weirdly enough. But how can they be virtual? It, it can't really be a nation if it's just something online. We say they're self-declared <laughs> nations. Um, they're doing it in Minecraft or something. Yes. Um, yeah. it, now, people have set up websites. Okay. Um, uh-huh. And there's ones that, in fact, there's lots of ones that exi- exist online. Um, a website called How to Start a Micronation. Okay. And it's operated by a guy called Kevin Baugh. He is president of the Republic of Moleosa. So it's now, kind of a kit for starting your yeah, migration. Yeah. I mean, we'll not go into all the boring legalistic details in the, in the podcast. Oh, why not? Go, you can Google it yourself. Okay. Uh, now, the, the geographic location of the Republic of Moleosa is located near Dayton, Nevada. Uh, and they've actually got a, a model constitution code. So it's a, a step-by-step kind of guide for setting up a constitution for uh, your micronation. Can you cut and paste one? You probably could, yeah. 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 That's uh, what I'd do. Now, there's a guy called... Um, another one is a micronation wiki. Um, and it was created by a guy called George Krukashank. Yeah. Um, now, he's a guy who drew a dotted line around his backyard in 1981 uh, and created the declared himself the Emperor of Atlantium. <laughs> so he literally created his he classed his backyard as a as a nation. Well, whereabouts is this? Um, I know it's Atlantean, but I I don't actually know. I think it's somewhere in the states. Okay, um, usually is. Now he like I said, he's he's got the micronation wiki, and he also operates a very popular Facebook group for micronationalists, and coordinates the biannual Polynesian conferences. <laughs> 
Uh, no, Do they have that on a, in a micro nation, or is it in like a Hyatt or something? I it probably is. Yeah, so it's probably something like that. Yeah. yeah. Now, Craig Shank. People often say, "Well, where did this whole concept actually come from?" Okay. And interestingly enough, Ernest Hemingway. Um, now he had a younger brother called Lester, uh, who in the mid nineteen sixties towed an eight by thirty foot bamboo raft to a spot twelve nautical miles off the southwest coast of Jamaica. And declared it New Atlantis. Uh, there was just a bit of sea. Was there land there? No, was it, there was, just, it there? was just literally a spot in the ocean. Uh-huh. Now, apparently, technically, this was legal because there's a thing called the Guiano Islands Act of 1856. And he, he managed to dig this out. And apparently, according to this act, that particular part of the sea was like unclaimed. Okay. So yeah. you could actually do that. Uh-huh. So his little bamboo raft, his 8 by 30 foot bamboo raft, was. New Atlantis and Lester Hemingway was top dog of New Atlantis yeah. which is this little king raft, yeah. whatever he wants to call himself I suppose now the famous one is the Principality of Sealand which was the one you were uh, asking about this is the one yeah yeah and you can get your own passport you can become a lord of Sealand as well yeah can't yeah you? it's yeah. been going since 1967 yeah. Sealand um was basically, you say in World War Two, Britain had the idea, because obviously they were worried about the Luftwaffe bombing Britain, so they, they were concerned about anti-aircraft defence, so they literally set up these platforms off the coast with like big massive guns, Okay. so as soon as you know the bombers came over, it would be like a first line of defence to try and stop the bombers coming over. Do you remember that TV show Fort Boyard? But that was that was an. I think um, that was a Napoleonic. Napoleonic one. Yeah, I think yeah. it was something to do with like Napoleon's time. But yeah. it, was, it was like an off, you know, uh-huh. similar kind of idea. But um, yeah, these were abandoned after the war. Right. Um, so in nineteen sixty-seven, um, these guys set up the Republic of Sealand actually on this this abandoned fort. Yeah. Um, and that sort of really, I mean, it's been an ongoing thing for years, but. It's really taken off of the internet. Because back in the day, nobody really knew that much about micronations. Occasionally you get things about the Republic of Ceylon in the papers. If something kicked off, you know, if there was some sort of incident around it. Uh, of which there were many, of I which, think, I remember. Of which there were, were, there were many. Wasn't there a standoff of the Royal Navy? Yeah, 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 there yeah. Was, um, and it's, but it ties into this idea of, you know, pirate radio and stuff like that as well. It's this idea of kind of going offshore and escaping the you know the the rule of the, the mainland law how many miles is sealand offshore is it i'm not too over sure. the is I it more than 12 then? i think it is quite quite far i have to check my um notes here right i think it is quite far but anyway Sealand. all this was very obscure until the start of the internet 12 kilometers okay it's 7.5 <coughs> miles off the coast of suffolk um now the platform, you know, the anti-aircraft platform was originally called Her Majesty's Fort Ruffs. That was mm-hmm. its official name. But it's an anti-aircraft gun platform. Now, the guy that took over Sealand uh, was a guy called Paddy Roy Bates. Um, and interestingly enough, you see, there's conflict in this from the start. Yeah. Um, I probably have to look into this a wee bit more because it says here, Bates seized it from a group of pirate radio broadcasters. So I don't know how <laughs> seized he seized it. it. I mean, yeah. I don't know if there was like violence involved. I'd, I'd need to <coughs> maybe, maybe look into that. Yeah. Um, now, Salem was established in 1975 uh, and he wrote um, a national constitution and the establishment 
it's obviously not very national sun, but I know there's a website you can look up. Yeah. Um, now, interestingly enough, the United Nations Convention on the Law of the Sea, which has been enforced since 1994, says artificial islands, installations and structures do not possess the status of islands. They have a non-territorial say of their own, and their presence does not affect the delimitation of the territorial sea, okay. the exclusive economic zone, or the continental shelf. So that's an interesting one. Yeah. Um, now, all this was fairly obscure until the dawn of the internet, and with the internet, all these things have exploded. There seems to be more and more. You notice in Twitter, mm-hmm. there's lots. Of, there's a whole lot of people who do this whole micronations thing, uh, and there's also, you know, efforts by you know. For example, there's a thing called the Seasteading Institute, and it was founded by um, Patrick Freeman and Peter Feidel, who was the PayPal co-founder, and they're looking towards the creation of autonomous seasteads, which is a similar idea to Sealand, only maybe on a larger scale, yeah. where also communities would be living off sea and their own like autonomous kind of nations. Uh-huh. Um, now, there's also a thing called Asgardia. Uh, which is also known as the Space Kingdom of Asgardia, and they Asgardia, Asgardia, yeah, Asgardia. and they've been already launched a satellite into Earth orbit, and they refer to themselves as Guardians, and have given their satellite the name Asgardia One, uh, and it was founded by a guy called Igor Asherbelli. Mm. He was a founder of the Airspace International Research Center. Um, he proposed the establishment of this thing on the twelfth of October, twenty sixteen, and. Now this guy's this is like something like James Bond. If you ever remember the film Moonraker, yeah, it's uh-huh. definitely a bit like Moonraker. Uh, this guy says he wants to basically um, set up a community on a big space station in space. Right. Um, they reckon um, it's going to cost a hundred billion dollars to build. Yeah. Um, and flights to it are going to cost over forty million dollars per launch. So they're, they're crowdfunding this. Oh. This colony in orbit. It's, it's, <laughs> so it's going to be like it's just a massive space station then? Well, yeah, with like a whole lot of goals, um, such as shielding the Earth from asteroids. I don't really know how they're going to do that. Um, well, with all that money, they can find a way, I'm sure. And they're, they're looking to use it as a launch pad for a moon base. Right. So they're yeah. looking to kind of colonize the moon eventually. Yeah. So this is, this is like an ongoing, um, ongoing project. Uh, there's strange ones here like uh, a spiritual one is the global country of world peace and that was started by the Maharishi Maharishi Yogi uh, the founder of Transcendental Meditation on October the 7th of 2000 it's a non-profit organisation that claims to promote Transcendental Meditation education and they want to build buildings for peace Okay, mm-hmm. buildings for peace in the world's major, major city now it's an interesting one because, again, when we look at micronations, you can subdivide them. Because there's ones that have territory. Yes. Like, actual, like the guy with the yard. Yeah, and sea or, land. Or sea and things land like that, which is yeah. also concrete territory. Then you have ones that are, I would call them micronations of concepts. Like this country of world peace. <laughs> because you can't actually go to the country of world It's not yeah. like a physical thing. Like It's like in the minds of everybody that kind of believe in it if that makes any sense say it does my head in to be honest yeah. I like the ones that are are physical but yeah you see you can't go to the, you can't like, yeah. like you can go to Sealand like you could go to Sealand tomorrow 
and you know, there's a physical thing you can visit. Okay. Or you can mm-hmm. visit the guy's backyard. It's like a physical thing. And then there's the ones that they're kind of on the internet or they're you know they're in people's heads. Like there's one. The more you look into it, it fascinates me. Art is a big thing in this. Art projects. Yeah. Uh, for example, um, there's one here, um, the Republic of Kugelmuggle. Right. A physical one, a micronation uh, located in a district of Vienna called the Prater. And it declared independence in 1976. Uh, and it was set up by an artist called Edwin Lipberger. Uh, and I had an argument with the council over building permits for a ball ship house, which he had erected at uh, Landestrasse 4091. Everybody wants a ball shaped house. Sweet, yeah. And uh, he was actually sent to jail for 10 weeks right. over this ongoing dispute with the, the, the local council. Uh, in June 1982, the house was moved to Prater Park. Um, and it's actually officially got a population of over 650 non-resident citizens, which is weird because the, the public's actually this house as yeah. a public. Uh-huh. And obviously 650 people couldn't fit under it, uh-huh. but it's got 650 people who have signed up to become citizens of the Republic of Kugelmuggle. Mm-hmm. So it's basically like your house, if you declared Andy's house the Republic of mm-hmm. Andy's house, obviously you're not going to get 600 people stuffed under it. But, you know, say some guy from Australia could sign up yeah. and become an official citizen of, of the Republic. Um, there's another one. Uh, have you ever heard of a band called Lieback? No. They're like uh, a Slovenian band. Um, oh, yeah. oh, yes, of, I've heard of them. Sort of electronic, very, very weird and arty and experimental. Okay. Uh, they do this whole thing. They, they, they formed in the 1980s. They satirize kind of totalitarian regimes and stuff and yeah. all the rest of it. But uh, they're involved with a thing called the Neue Slovenische Kunst, a.k.a. NSK. Um, and basically they set up Again, this idea of the virtual nation. The, you know, the NSK doesn't actually have a physical territory. Yeah. But it issues passports. And it's, it's almost like a satire of, you know, like North Korea or like a sort of 10-pot dictatorship. Okay. Um, though, oddly enough, um, now they've got their own postage stamps and passports. They've recorded a, a national anthem that they put in their album called Volk. Uh, and weirdly enough... Right, NSK passports are considered an art project. So this is an art project. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. However, there are scammers using those passports out of Nigeria. Well, that's the thing. So, isn't, you know, isn't, yeah. yeah isn't, are they being used for nefarious ends and tax evasion and things now, these micronations? And apparently desperate people have fallen for a scam with these NSK passports, which are completely... Useless, useless because it's an art project but it's not an actual thing you know okay um, so yeah here's one for you Did do you know that Sealand have their own national football team really I didn't know they that they have the uh, the Sealand national football team uh, they have their own board um, they're not associated with um, FIFA or UEFA um, but they are admitted to the NAF board as a provisional member in 2005 and associate member in 2006. They, uh, they've had a few managers over the year. Christian Olsen, Neil Forsyth, a Scottish author. Um, Julian Dex, who's currently uh, manager of uh, West Bromwich Albion. Uh, he's uh, he's their current first team coach, Julian Dex. So he he ran them, uh, was with them for a while. Uh, and they won uh, one match under him. But uh, since then, Ed Stubbs has become... 
the the manager there played seven one five of their mm. last encounters. Um, I feel like I'm doing my Saturday uh, afternoon <laughs> just like old times. Uh, last time they played with Smethwick, um, old Frank Skinner's uh, old time. They played against Punjab, uh, the Punjab Football uh, Club, and they won. Uh, what was it? Oh, they lost four one. Um, they played against Seborga uh, and won three uh, two. Uh, they also they, they drew against uh, Somaliland and uh, the Chagos Islands. They they drew against them as well. Alderney. That's the Turks and Chagos yeah, Islands. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they they've uh, beaten Alderney. Um, so yeah, the, Alderney's a real place. Yeah, See, and the Channel Islands, isn't it? Uh, yeah. I suppose the thing is, you could be a footballer for for them. Yeah, yeah. Because they had a manager who was, you know, West Bromwich Albion manager. So imagine if you're a fairly decent footballer, you could go along and say, well, can I have a, a passport? And you could have dual nationality. You'd still be British, but you could be a Sealander as well and play for Could Sealand. we look into maybe becoming like a dual citizen of the Republic of Sealand? You can do of? it. Yeah, you can do it all you want. I could be cool. I could be a good project for the podcast. Uh, I know a bloke who signed up. I think he got himself a passport and everything for, for Sealand, and he yeah. reckoned it was going to be good for him um, for, for tax purposes in the future. Yeah, right. Why do you spend all that money? Well, 75 quid or something for it's it. All, it's all very well talking about this. Yeah. But I'm thinking, you want to visit some of these places, don't you? I mean, I know you can visit the Republic of Kugelmuggle. Okay. Another one is, you're, have you ever mentioned about the Republic of Moliosa? Yeah. Now, it's run by His Excellency, the President Kevin Baugh. That's how you need to call him. Uh, now, he's, um, you can actually visit their website. Okay. It's in the US state of Nevada on the outskirts of Dayton. Mm. Uh, you can take a one-hour tour of the property right. with President Baugh between April the 15th on October the 15th, weather permitting. Oh, well, there's year. always good in Nevada, isn't it? Um, highlights now, the, the website's Moliosa. That's M-O-L-O-S-S-I-A dot org. Yeah. Highlights include a garden, a post office, a trading company, a peace pool, and a tiki bar. Oh, right. Tiki bar. Tiki bar. Tiki bar. Is there a bunny ranch in it as well? It is Nevada. I don't think there's a bunny ranch. Mm. I wouldn't be surprised. Are you talking about like a bunny ranch as in rabbits? Or... Like one of those things that Louis Theroux does the shows about. Are you talking about, like, you know your man that used to hang around um, like a, a dressing gown all day? Yeah. Uh-huh. Your, your man. <laughs> sort of a bit like that. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, thanks very much for listening. That's our main bit. We're going to come back in a little bit with TV, tell you about the telly and stuff like that. Remember, you can email a podcast at weirdlyenough.com uh, if you want to get in touch with us. Do you remember that show, The League of Gentlemen? It must be a, a right while since that was on telly now, League of Gentlemen. We're talking maybe 20 years ago. That was a great show. You just love that. Certainly early noughties. Um, and the the guys behind it, the stalwarts of, of League of Gentlemen, Steve Pemberton and Rhys Shearsmith, uh, I I doubt they'll ever shake off the associations with the with the league. However, they've uh, they've had this series. It's it's been on four series now. It's a series five. Inside number nine. Uh, it's on BBC Two. Uh, first episode uh, I've I've watched, um, and it goes inside a referee's changing rooms uh, during an important match. Really, really good. If you haven't seen it yet, have a look at it. it it's brilliant. It's always wonderfully dark comedy. Um, 
Uh, you can grab older series of Insight Number Nine as well uh, out on Netflix. That's well worth a look. Well, it's all kicking off over in uh, Westminster, and I'm not just talking about Brexit. Uh, a fox has managed to evade security at Portcullis House. That's the one across the road from uh, from what they call Big Ben, which as, is really, really urban urban foxes. It, it probably is an urban fox. He's in the um, storm zone, though. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he's had a wander around the cafe in Portcullis House before taking an escalator to the fourth floor. Uh, Tory MP Julia Lopez tweeted, Team Lopez just leaving Westminster office for the night and seeing a fox climbing the escalator into Portcullis House. We've seen some strange things in Parliament since 2017, but this tops it all. Uh, and the, the right honourable member for Bristol East even had time to uh, tweet a picture of the fox's calling card. Noise. And where did he get those printed? <laughs> I mean, it did a. Oh right, it did a. It did a. A, a whoopsie. Poo, a whoopsie. Yes. yes. Yeah. It wasn't like literally handing out little laminated no. <laughs> from Mister Fox to Square. And where did he get those printed? <laughs> Brilliant. Epic bands. Noise. I'm being totally serious. Uh, many sh- uh, studies show that whistling or uh, or singing while working is a great way to get the job done quickly, and it's possible uh, that uh, Justin Horak, uh, a snow dr- a snow plow driver from Bozeman, Montana, uh, may have had some musical inspiration. Justin's daughter convinced her dad to post a video to YouTube, and since then. County Plow Guy has attracted over uh, 25,000 views. Here's a little bit of it. I am a plow guy for the county And I drive the paved roads Searching through the cars for another road with snow so yeah, you hear what he's done there? Do you get what he's done there? Yes, he was like, that's like Wichita Linesman. Uh, yeah, it's old Jimmy Webb, Wichita uh, Linesman, made famous, of course, by Glenn Campbell. It's reminding drivers to slow down and and be courteous to ply drivers, apparently. Because yeah. he says he sometimes gets flicked the bird, which isn't very nice. He would do that. I know. Radio station bosses are uh, starting to play the tune and, and uh, a country radio station in Bozeman uh, has even uh, wanting Justin to re-record his song with instruments. So there you go. Excellent, excellent. Here's a fella, Owen O'Fagan. Uh, he's an Irish hospital clerk from uh, Donegal, but he likes nothing more than spending his days with a tele- uh, photo or telescopic lens on the banks of uh, Loch Ness. Hmm. He's a Nessie spotter, uh, and he spends any time he can looking for the monster. You can go to a website now. There's a Loch Ness webcam, and that's what Owen's done. He's gone to this webcam. He's watched through all the footage, and he has seen the monster. Uh, it pays off. He claims he's spotted Nessie six times, four of those times being the last uh, year. Uh, and he spied the monster using the live cam. He submitted his sightings to the official Loch Ness Monster Sighting Register. Uh, it shows a dark object moving. Uh, he's adamant uh, that there were no boats or birds in the area. His sightings apparently uh, disprove speculation that the creature may be migratory, as it's the first sighting this decade. It's no small fry, though. Nessie is estimated uh, to be worth the Scottish economy $41 million every year. Interesting. Yeah, there you are. So back in September, researchers from New Zealand claimed the monster could be a large eel after ex- extracting DNA samples from the water. 
Mm. Mm, there you go well thanks very much for listening we'll be back again very very soon uh, remember keep a lookout at uh, weirdlyenough.com follow us on all those socials and uh, do subscribe if you've enjoyed this show uh, leave us a review uh, a positive review does really well for us uh, thanks very much we'll talk again soon thanks for listening to weirdly enough Remember to subscribe to get the latest edition as soon as it drops. And don't forget to leave a review. Email us about anything we've discussed or with your own weird tale at podcast at weirdlyenough.com.